Today is Thursday, June 13th, and this is the Daily Perspective from Politics NC. We are recording live today in Raleigh. I'm Kirk Kovac here with Thomas Mills. Thomas, how are you doing so far? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm well. Today, the first thing I think we're going to touch on is this looming potential Mark Walker primary of Tom Tillis. So today in Politico Playbook, it the title is Hard Pass, so Walker is passing on a primary against Tom Tillis. It says he's seriously been considering a run, but was eager to first secure President Donald Trump's blessing. So he went up to the White House earlier last month to discuss it, and he wanted a second meeting with the president before uh, he made a decision. And basically, he wasn't going to do it if the president wasn't going to back him, or at least not oppose him. So apparently the president was not uh, going to give him a green light to primary Tillis. And the, the comment that Mark Walker made was, after prayerful reflection and consideration, I'm confident my continued service in the House will best help our efforts to reclaim the majority and advance our shared conservative goals. So that was a statement he released today. Um, and then a side note, Susan B. Anthony, which is an anti-abortion group, endorsed Tillis for re-election. So now that we know Mark Walker is not going to primary Tom Tillis, that leaves uh, Garland Tucker for now. Yep. So what do you make of this Senate primary now that the biggest potential thorn in Tillis's side is not going to run? Um, I think it makes it a very interesting primary. I think, as you noted, uh, Garland Tucker had a, a event here in Raleigh not long ago, and it was a, a who's who of kind of Raleigh um, conservative political donors. And Tillis, those are people that I'm sure Tom Tillis – expected to have in his corner being an incumbent but that's not really the way politics is played i I think it what's really interesting is the fact that trump would not get behind mark walker signals that he's going to probably back tom tillis he's going to get you know tillis debased himself enough for trump to say okay i'll help him out i mean that's kind of the president's uh, modus operandi is, is humiliate somebody, make them debase their, themselves, and then turn around and say, you know, he's a good guy. And so I think I think what you're going to have is uh, Tucker trying to get uh, support from the folks who used to be moderate Republicans, and, and Tillis is going to be going after the Trump base, which I got to say favors Tillis. I mean, I think it, it make, makes Tillis's re-election look a lot better, or, or re-nomination, anyhow, look a lot better. The flip side of that is who's going to run against him. And uh, Democrats still are kind of struggling. There, there's a lot of rumor out there that Cal Cunningham may switch over from the lieutenant governor's race to the U.S. Senate race, but but nothing's happened on that front yet. So who knows with rumors in politics. But Democrats need to find somebody because I think you've got an eminently vulnerable incumbent Republican right now. Right. Well, actually, this reminds me of something I read very early this morning um, from Larry Sabato's Crystal Ball. They did a, a brief article talking about how often members of Congress lose their primaries, and it's hardly ever. Um, just for context, in, in the past few years, 2018, 100% of Senate uh, senators won their primary 2016, 100%, 2014, 100%. Um, the worst was 2010, where I believe a couple insurgent Republicans uh, beat uh, incumbents. But it's just very unlikely that a 
challenger beats an incumbent in a primary just very rarely happens. Right. And they, they did mention that Tillis has not pleased anybody with his various op-eds and flip-flops on issues, but um, if it's not going to be Mark Walker challenging him, it, it seems like there's not going to be too much trouble for him. But it's definitely a thorn in his side. I mean, he'd prefer not to have a primary right. challenge, obviously. Yeah. Well, um, to move a little bit more towards local politics, I've seen a lot the past few days, uh, more than usual, some uh, prominent House of Democrats uh, in the North Carolina legislature making a push for Medicaid expansion as uh, an essential piece of this budget. And I, I also know the governor, of course, is really pushing it and saying that it could be uh, a weapon in the opioid crisis and just approaching it from different angles. So uh, in in your view right now, do you think that Medicaid expansion is still on the table? Is that possible this session? Um, I think the governor's pushing for it. And by the way, today's Cooper's birthday, so happy birthday, Governor Cooper. But he, uh, in fact, there was a little segment in Politico today where they, they feature somebody who had a birthday, and it was him, and they asked a series of questions. One of them was, what are you reading? And he said, I'm reading... Kaiser the, Family. Yeah, yeah, Kaiser Family Report on the benefits of Medicaid expansion. So he's going to continue pushing for it. There, it's nowhere in sight in the legislative legislative budget and um there's a lot of pressure right now on democrats to vote both against the budget and if it comes to it sustain cooper's veto the republicans are playing hardcore politics hard hardball politics they're going after individual legislators who they think might vote against uh the veto to sustain the veto and they're they're trying to offer goodies um, to peel some people off. And it, it really does create a, a, an interesting dynamic. If you're in a district where Medicaid expansion wouldn't have that much of an impact, and yet the Republicans are putting things in the budget that could have a lot of impact on your, bud, on, on your district, are you going to side with the party or are you going to side with the district? And... Um, it's going to make for very interesting politics later in the summer as, as uh, the Republicans, House and Senate, reconcile their budgets. And then uh, I suspect we see a Cooper veto of a budget without Medicaid expansion. Well, I mean, it, it is in a way traditionally how these sort of things happen, isn't it, where the people sort of give and take and they give pork to certain I know that people obviously criticize Democrats back in the day for doing that, but that's that's just what legislatures do. It's they sort of, in a way, they buy off votes with money from the budget. That's right. That, that's exactly what they're doing. This is not that uncommon. Um, I think I think what's different though is it's not the broader budget. It's it's they're basically saying we're either going to get Medicaid expansion, a single kind of big ticket bill or we're not going to let you have a budget at all and that's um that's a little bit different i mean I, budgets usually get vetoed not for a specific reason but for kind of broad well there's not enough money for raises for teachers there's not enough money for raises for state employees there's not enough infrastructure there's not enough this there's not enough that and therefore i'm going to veto the budget and this is basically saying no budget's coming through here without medicaid expansion um 
and you know, depends on whether Republicans want if there's anything they need out of that budget is, is to whether we end up the year without a budget at all. Uh, we, we could continue operating under the budget, the, the, the 2019 budget parameters for another year um, if they can't come to some sort of agreement before they adjourn. Well, that is, and that's a recent addition to that's something they did after Roy Cooper won, I believe. But doesn't that put them, even though Roy Cooper has this um, this veto power and in theory Democrats could sustain it, that still leaves the Republicans in the stronger um, place in terms of bargaining because ultimately they're probably not going to be too disappointed if you just keep the same budget they've already passed before versus expanding Medicaid. Right. And, you know, I mean, that that to some degree, that's what Republicans want is to have less government. And right. Democrats are generally looking to government to provide solutions for people. So, yeah, I, I think they're going to... Republicans, by having control of both houses, have an upper hand in the battle. Well, this is, I think, clearly going to be an ongoing conversation. I know the other day... Um, I, I believe Speaker Moore said some comment about maybe having a budget by the end of the week, and Representative Jason Sane, I think, audibly laughed in right. on the floor. So I don't think anybody has uh, any doubts that they'll be there for quite a while uh, to sort this out. But that's something we'll keep up with as we follow this every day. For Politics NC, this has been The Daily Perspective. Thomas, thank you for dropping by today. Thanks, Kurt. Thank you for listening to Perspective from Politics NC. If you liked our podcast today, be sure to leave a review wherever you listen. Follow us at Politics NC on Twitter and like our page on Facebook. Be sure to visit politicsnc.com to read the articles we discuss each day and where new articles are posted every morning.